Happy Easter, Billiken fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Midtown Madness podcast with Peter Hale and Zach Miller. I'm Zach Miller. This is Peter Hale uh, with me, and we've got a great episode for you filled with recruiting talk and a few wild games in the world of Billiken athletics. Pete, how are we doing? Doing well, Zach. Yeah, a lot of, lot of fun stuff to talk about this week. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, I'm on the disabled. Well, we don't say that anymore. I'm on the injured list these days. I was uh, hurt my back. Uh, I do a lot of training, and I hurt my back stretching, which is exactly how it goes for old men, apparently. Yeah, welcome to your 30s. I know it was is uh, it was heartbreaking to have to stop working out. I'm like, no, I I don't feel I don't feel like my day's complete anymore. Like I, without exercise, it's it's weird. Uh, but yeah, we've got a ton. The rec- the recruiting trail is is insane right now with the transfer portal. Um, got some good news uh, coming down the pipeline uh, on the transfer uh, side of things. Um, but uh, I, you know, I I, meant, I think I texted you the other day, and it's the only thing I could come up with. It's the kind of thing that I could only come up with uh, in an altered state of consciousness. I texted you and I asked how long until we see a trade in college basketball. Um, and of course uh, it has actually happened. Well, we don't know if it actually happened, but it kind of happened. Yeah. Functionally, I guess it's a trade. Uh, it, yeah. It's uh, it's, it, I guess it was bound to happen someday. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, while we're talking about, you know, uh, the uh, NILs, um, you know, potentially paying players actual money. Um, I, I mean, it, so it was, it was Mizzou and Kansas State? Is that what I get? Mark Smith went to Kansas State, and then who came from Kansas State to – who went to Mizzou? So that's Dewan Gordon. He actually was a slew recruit out of high school. He's a Chicago kid. Um, and I think he just finished his – it's either sophomore or junior year. So he's got at least two years left. Yeah, um, now, now the years are like contracts. I know, I know. It's like, it's like contract years are like eligible. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah, because yeah, everybody has at least one more year. So Smith, um, Smith is basically a grad transfer. Um, so he'll have one year at K-State, and then Gordon will have at least two at Mizzou if he wants them. That's bonkers, man. This, yeah. this, this transfer portal is – I don't want to say out of control because I think it's, it's a good thing that players get to choose where they go and – uh, get to move, um, get to move, uh, you know, schools whenever they kind of uh, feel like it. And if they feel, you know, like they're not getting playing time at their current school, uh, it's good for them to be able to, to move on. Yeah, I think so. I, I know um, we had Rammer on last week and he kind of talked about how um, I, he doesn't like this trend at all. You know, I, I think he, he thinks it represents – you know, players at the first sign of adversity mm-hmm. get to bail and uh, it's bad for basketball and it's bad for continuity and it's bad for fans. And I definitely can understand that perspective, but I think, um, I, I, I think for one, the roster sizes are still the same. So it's not like Kentucky and Duke and Kansas can just grab every good player out there. They still only have the same number of scholarships as, as everybody else, you know, um, I know there are guys who right now won't count against the scholarship because of the COVID year, but, but fundamentally the long term is everybody's still got 13 scholarships. 
And when you look at, when you kind of break down where everybody's going, there are a lot more players who are kind of staying at their level, making lateral moves to similar conferences or moving down a level um, than there are going up to the big conferences. There just aren't that many guys who can do that. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it kind of adds a new dynamic in coaching in that player retention and then re-recruiting of players like, uh, you know, who are as transfers instead of just high school players. Those are new things that coaches have to do. But um, I, I, I'm kind of – I tend to be more uh, – I tend to favor player empowerment um, first. So I think, it's, I think it's a good thing, and, uh, you know, we'll see how it evolves. I think I think it's totally fair. I think the one side downside I see not so much is uh, it could be the imbalance of power. I see it as a more of not getting to to kind of uh, you know latch on to to the team, uh, the, like the players on the team, and and maybe you don't feel that connection with players as much. Uh, if, if people are, you know, constantly moving teams, but I still think you'll have a lot of those, those four year guys and the guys that stick with it. I mean, it's just, it's up, it's up to the coach to kind of recruit the right mix. Um, you know, Kentucky for about a decade now has been home of the one and dones and it's like, uh, some years that works out great and they win a national title and other years, it's just the wrong mix of guys and it blows up in your face. Um, it just, I think I think there are other schools that have kind of figured it out more. I look at somebody like Villanova, where they've had a lot of guys in the NBA, but most of them are there two or three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little more continuity, and they're able to kind of keep their system and keep their players a little bit longer. Um, so so it's it's really, you know, it's going to be up to coaches to kind of uh, to to just get that right. Yeah. You know, I saw another – it's kind of funny because I think on, on Billikens.com and on Twitter, anytime uh, – well, now we've seen Mickey Pearson, who never committed to SLU, uh, or did commit to SLU and then decommitted, I believe. He signed. He, he signed. signed. He signed yeah. and, then, and then backed out. Uh, and then, you know, we see Jalen Johnson entering the transfer portal for now the fourth time. Yeah. Um, and we, I think it's kind of a, a running joke that, oh, they're going to come back to SLU. They're going to come back to SLU. <laughs> we actually saw that twice uh, with other schools uh, in the last few days. I, I don't remember who it was, and I didn't really take note other than of the fact that they did. But we've seen now uh, at least two players this season uh, transfer back to the school they started with initial, initially. So I wonder how often, uh, you know, a kid will – think it's the, the grass is greener at another school and then and then co- go back yeah i mean it, with you know we're, we're about to hit 1200 transfers um it actually has slowed down in the last couple days um we got to a thousand pretty fast and 1100 pretty fast but it's only been a couple dozen this weekend which i know sounds crazy but when you're at 1200 um that's that's not a huge number but anyway maybe, maybe that's for the easter holiday or something i don't know um, but with that many guys, it's, it's just bound to happen. There's, there's, um, almost 360 D one programs now. And, uh, you know, there's an average of over three transfers per team right now. So it's just mathematically bound to happen that some guys are going to wind up back where they started, but it, it's all, I mean, that's one of those things where, uh, I guess you never want to burn bridges. So I, I you never know where players are leaving it, where coaches are leaving it. Not everybody's going to want somebody back just because they feel a need or whatever. 
If you're a coach, uh, do you are, are you open to having a player come back that that kind of uh, not I don't want to say bailed, but kind of left your program and then it's like, hey, coach, want to come back? I guess it, I mean it just all depends on circumstances, sure. you know, like what kind of relationship you had with the guy, why he left. I mean, there are players who just you hit a wall or maybe they have some circumstances in their lives, like a, a death in the family or something right, like that. Right, I mean, there are, there are very legitimate reasons um, that have nothing to do with something having gone bad basketball wise or, you know, within the scope of the team or the coaching staff. And so a year later, two years later, things look different in a kid's life. And it's like, I, you know, I'm ready, I'm ready to do this again. And sometimes that makes sense. Um, with Pearson and <laughs> I was going to say, there's a Pearson joke about, uh, about staying close to your grandma in there somewhere. I, you know, I never actually saw where that, where that's like, that, <laughs> that was one of those things where people, people ran with that as if he had said that, but I actually never saw him say that. So I, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Um, it's but the yeah, I, Mandela effect. yeah, I, 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 I just don't know if that was, was a real thing. Jalen Johnson at this point, um, is this his sixth year in college now that it's going to be? I, when, um, when you spend more time in college than me, I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> or you're doing it right. I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe he'll have a PhD when he comes out or something like that. Hey, he did better than I did. If he, if he got any <laughs> grad school credit. Uh, I, I mean, but, but I think they're both talented kids and who, who are going to find a good fit somewhere. I hope so. I mean, I, I loved Pearson coming out of high school. I was pretty upset. Uh, well, not upset, but disappointed that he didn't come to SLU. Um, and, but he, he never really found his way at TCU, which kind of surprises me. A guy with his size and, and his ability just kind of um, to, to, to not really be a factor like that. It, it, I, I figured he'd at least find a role there, but I don't know, whatever. Ho- hopefully they both find the right place for him. Um, we talk. We a lot of a lot of focus has been on the the transfer portal, and and you know, rightfully so. Uh, is there anything in the high school recruiting sector that's uh, that stands out to you in the last month or so? I mean, I haven't heard anything, but you are way more plugged in and kind of obsessively plugged in than I am. <laughs> to yeah, sure. Like so, there's. For for SLU right now, there's not a whole lot that's been going on um, because our coaching staff basically opted out of the 2021 class, at least at least for now. There's always a chance that they might use one of these last scholarships on a guy coming out of high school, but it really doesn't look like it. Um, so everything would have to be in the 2022 class and later. And really, it, it's funny, the only offer that SLU has put out recently is to uh, a kid who is an eighth grader currently. Um, which is the class of 2025, if you prefer the years. But it's a, he's a guard out of the Bronx, uh, New York City, um, Danny Carbuccia. Um, I love that name already. It's a great name. And, and I, I've, you know, I kind of did a little research because I was like, why are we offering an eighth grader? He's out of the same AAU program that uh, Hassan French came out of, um, also being a, you know, a New York guy. And um, he's, he does not look like an eighth grader. I mean, he looks like a, a legitimate D1 talent right now. So I imagine this kid's got a pretty bright future. And uh, it's a long time before he's ever going to, you know, sign or go anywhere. But I, I thought that was interesting. That's the only offer that, uh, that we've put out lately. And it's, it's to somebody that young. So I guess uh, there's a name to keep a track of for the next four years. It's a fun fact. We're not the, according to verbal commits, we're not the first, uh, the first uh, offer or 
Yeah, like I mean, does he? No, have- Stone, Stony Brook yeah. beat us by a couple weeks. Yeah, three yeah. Uh, on March twenty second, they they extended an offer. Right. Uh, but yeah, now, while well, while I'm on verbal commits, I guess we can talk about the uh, the big transfer news. Um, the Billikens got a commitment from a six five, one hundred eighty five pound. Uh, guard out of Detroit, Michigan, by way of Cleveland State and Oakland. Uh, Rashad Williams is going to be a Billiken next year, uh, eligible immediately as everyone else will be. What uh, what you what do you see from this kid? I'm sure you've watched the video. Yeah, so I, I think I think the height might be off there. I think he's. I don't think he's six five. I think he's a little shorter than that. <laughs> Most but, um, but um, yeah, so so he started out at Cleveland State um, as a freshman. Um, shot 41% from three on, on pretty high volume. He shot over seven a game. Um, really effective player as a freshman, but wound up transferring to Oakland. He's a Detroit guy, and, and Oakland is in suburban Detroit, Oakland University. Um, and uh, in the next year, he proceeds to put up uh, 12 and a half three-point attempts per game. Um, didn't shoot as high a percentage. He, he, he only made about a third of them. But he's the kind of guy who can just go off on any on any given night. This past year, obviously already shortened because of, of COVID, um, but his no, he was so he was playing 38 minutes a game as a sophomore, um, dipped down to 28 minutes a game as a as a junior, and um, a, a lot of that had to do with injuries. He was in a car accident in the beginning of the oh, season, wow. and uh, that that limited his minutes early on. And then he kind of I think he twisted an ankle at some point and had another kind of fluky injury, nothing that really sidelined him, but it was the kind of thing where he really couldn't play. He couldn't start some games. He was coming off the bench. And so anyway, his minutes were down. Three-point percentage was about 33% again. And um, he led the nation this season, despite shortened minutes, led the nation in three-point attempts again. Um, So he's a really unique player in that it's just kind of a green light all the time. He creates his shot. you know, he'll, he'll shoot off the dribble. He'll shoot off the catch. Um, loves to shoot in transition. I mean, he's, he's just always looking to gun it. So um, really different kind of player than we're used to seeing. I mean, this, this is a guy who will just, just fire away at, at any point. And so that's the, the thing to me that's really, really interesting is knowing that Javante Perkins is coming back and he's already kind of a green light scorer for us. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy who, when he gets the ball, he's usually shooting pretty immediately. Um, so seeing that we've already got Perkins in the backcourt or, or on the wing, whatever, um, and then adding this guy to the mix is a really sort of unique one-two yeah. scoring punch. Um, so we go from an offense that kind of could, uh, like we talked about at points of the season, kind of get stuck in the mud to guys who are just going to shoot <laughs> right away all the time. Um, it, it's a really just, interesting dynamic. Ford just gets these, these sticks up his ass about like uh, things that bother him about his team. And then he goes out and just goes way off, off the map. Like you saw in, in 18, 19, uh, we couldn't shoot the ball. So right. what, what, what do we, what's our team look like in, in 2020? Uh, You've got Perkins, you've got Jacobs, you've got Jimerson, all guys who can who can right. put the ball in the hoop from beyond the arc. And you know, you know, now it, the team gets bogged down in the mud, and you've got now you've got guys that can shoot 
uh, that, that like to shoot in transition. So he kind of just really uh, – he makes these big swings. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, this, if, if you're looking like, okay, you know, okay, who's out? Jacobs, uh, French, and Goodwin. Um, this guy is not a one-to-one replacement for any of them. You know, he'll, 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 he should get bigger minutes than Jacobs did, probably not what Goodwin did. Um, there's no way he can shoot the same volume he did at Oakland the last two years. There's just no way. With Perkins on the floor, he's just not option one. Um, but my hope is that as his attempts go down, maybe that, that naturally means his shot selection is going to be a little more um, you know, like he's going to have a little more judgment to it than just jacking everything. And, and maybe we'll see that, that three-point percentage get back up closer to 40%. Um, if we can have a volume shooter who's anywhere close to 40, yeah, green, green light as far as I'm concerned. I did notice something interesting looking at his stats. Uh, he, he puts up some steals too. Yeah, he actually this past season, despite uh, – Despite playing fewer minutes, he he did he really did increase his steals. Now, um, you know most of the video you see on him, there's there, it's not doesn't tell you a whole lot on defense. Um, Carter Chapley wrote that that he's a lot more comfortable in a man defense than a zone, and that when Oakland went to a zone anytime this year, he kind of struggled. Um, so you know that's not that's not something Slu does a lot. So if if that's the case, he should be fairly comfortable, and I think. I think most guys know if you're going to play with, play for Travis Ford, you've got to be able to defend. So I'm assuming Ford's confident that there's some, um, you know, there's at least a good learning curve here, a quick learning curve, um, if he if he has that in terms of catching up defensively. And for those who who like to really harp on the free throws, uh, he shot at Oakland. He shot 82.8 percent from the line. So. Uh, getting a guy on par with at least Perkins from the free throw line. And if he likes to shoot uh, in traffic, in transition, you know, that's, that's another, you know, almost gimme at the free throw line. Yeah. Hopefully he's looking to, um, to not just fire away from three, but um, get inside and draw some fouls as well. Well, Billiken fans, uh, this is kind of an emergency recording session. Um Full disclosure, uh, Billiken News always tends to drop uh, right after we finish recording it without fail. I, I don't know if it's the Sunday night recording schedule, but uh, as I'm sure you all are aware by now, if you're listening to this podcast, there's no doubt you're aware. Uh, Jordan Nesbitt uh, announced he was transferring from the University of Memphis uh, and has committed to play for the Billikens on uh Frank Cusimano, uh, rarely you get a, a college basketball commitment cut in uh, uh, in front of a prison riot, but that's what we got last night. Pete, initial reaction when the news became official? Um, excitement. Just, just really excited about this one. It was one that we kind of, for you know, ever since he hit the portal, almost immediately, uh, you know, buzz around SLU started building. I think just because you know, we were in his top three when he committed to Memphis in the fall. Um, so right away, it was just, is this it? Is this it? Is this it all day? Um, so, yeah, just just really excited, happy that it happened. Um, I, I see that you stayed up for it last night, too, the big news. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Um, it was, and then I ended up staying up way too late. You know, when you, like, 
when there's something you want to watch on late and then you just end up being up till like 1am and you, then the next morning you're just dead tired. That's uh, how yeah. it happens though. I mean, you, you get the big piece of news and it's not, it's just like, okay, I'm going to bed now. Yeah. You're you going know, on like all you're, social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly you're watching his like hype videos and stuff. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I did. Um, but how about, did you, did you see Kusamano? Like, cause he just straight up, like he was the biggest tease ever last night during the, I so, mean, he started with, uh, I believe he started with for four years, Jordan Goodwin has led the Billikens and you're like, what are you about to announce? Cause I think you're going one way, but I'm not, but you may be going another. Yeah. Yeah, like thinking Goodwin's going to come back or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I did not actually watch the show. I mean, not being local, um, I just kind of followed along on Twitter. I guess I probably could have found a stream or something somewhere, but I knew it was going to be covered in a split second. I could kind of tell how Twitter and everything was building um, that I would know within a second of it happening. So, um, so yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't Goodwin returning. You know, this is this is the guy we initially wanted to kind of come in for Goodwin in the first place. It was just kind of a roundabout way that we got him. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I I followed it on Twitter, um, and and found that uh, I I was well informed that way for sure. What well, what was the experience like live once he announced it? Did he continue to kind of build it up, or was it all before? Uh, they went right back to the prisoners setting fire to the downtown. <laughs> holding gotcha. cells okay. uh it, you know that's one way to celebrate a big commitment the local kids staying home you know you set fire to the prison I, I i you know it's uh but no it was i'm excited i uh you know it's one of those things it, it almost feels like uh nesbitt made the decision to come to slu before he even entered the portal uh and i'm not and i don't want that to come across as tamper like i don't i there's no chance I believe Travis Ford or anybody on the staff contacted him while he was still under scholarship at Memphis, but it just feels like he had this in the back of his mind. And his dad even said uh, that uh, when he went away to Memphis, he thinks that, you know, he realized pretty quickly that home is where the heart is. Yeah. And that's what he told Frank. I mean, he, like his, his direct quote is at first I was going to Memphis and playing for them. Then after I got there, I kind of really decided that I just wanted to do it at home. I feel comfortable at home. I love home. I just want to get back to home and do something that I'll be re remembered forever for. I can't wait. And then he, he added that I know the guys were already there. They're all pretty talented like me. So I feel like once yeah. I get there, we're going to gel together because I already know them. And I think we can come in and work hard every day and win the national championship. And that's what I want to do in my hometown. <laughs> I mean, there's there's uh, for those there's, not there's watching. I'm giddy listening to him use the yeah. term national championship i mean there's no shortage of confidence here i mean you know he 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 definitely believes that he's an nba player a future nba player which is what you want you know i mean you, you don't want a guy coming in going oh this is probably my ceiling um, <laughs> you know I, I i like the i like the confidence bordering on uh maybe arrogance i like the swagger you know that's 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 something that we need so um so i i welcome that absolutely um it, coincident coincidentally i was one of those people when i got to slew maybe this is my ceiling that was that was kind of how i entered the, the school i mean it's definitely been downhill for me since then so yeah i, I definitely peaked then <laughs> <laughs> no but uh yeah you know you, you do look at the roster and there's a lot of guys that he that he is familiar with that he has either played with before maybe he was a couple of years behind um 
but absolutely knows, you know, they came up in the same AAU programs or they, uh, you know, it, it's a small world when you're one of the, the best of any given class in, in, a, in a metro area. So, so he knows Hargrove and Collins and Okoro and, and, and Thatch and all of these dudes. Um, so, so yeah, you, 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 you have to like that chemistry. Thinking about a, a backcourt with him and, and Collins is really exciting. I wonder what your take on this, because I know there was a lot of talk. Um, I think initially when Travis Ford came in and was locking down St. Louis really hard, um, that maybe you don't want too many local guys on the team because maybe you can't keep them all happy and maybe it ruffles feathers around town in the AAU circuit um, or even in the high school. I think high school probably more because really everyone kind of plays for the Beagles. Um, what do you think about that? Having so many local guys and, uh, maybe playing with a little bit of fire there. Yeah. I mean, there are only so many mouths to feed, you know, you get, you get 13 scholarships and if you make them all local, that guarantees that, uh, you know, some guys are going to be sitting and, and maybe they're getting frustrated and maybe they're, you know, parents are getting tired of going to the game and not seeing them get in and stuff like that. So you do risk, uh, malcontents, um, I don't think that's the case with any of our local guys. I mean, obviously Collins is a starter. Um, Thatch does not seem to be, you know, um, frustrated with his minutes or anything like that. He's kind of worked his way back up to an important role in the rotation. Hargrove, I know, has had his moments over his two years where he hasn't played as much, but he's got such uh, a great attitude, though. He does, and by the end of the season, his minutes kept going up and up, and and uh, he he was filling a really valuable role. Um, so, so when I'm looking around at the, the local guys who are on the roster, you know, Phil Russell, um, chose to come and walk on. So I think he, he, he knows like, he's not going to be getting big minutes, you know, as a freshman walk on, um, behind Collins. So, um, so, so far, I, I don't think that has, um, necessarily backfired. I guess you can look at Gordon who came in, a, you know, early on in Ford's tenure and, and didn't last, um, but I think there was just a lot going on there that was specific to him. And I don't think, you know, he's necessarily um, it, it, it has borne out that he has not necessarily like told other local players like, hey, this isn't the place for you or anything like that. It just it just didn't work out um, with, with him specifically for a lot of reasons. So, yeah, there's always a risk. But look, Nesbitt, Nesbitt's he's coming into a starting spot. You know, I like we, we can we can sort of try and project the roster all we want, but he's a fr like a fringe top 50 recruit. Um, he's he's going to be starting, you know, like the Goodwin and French are leaving. That's 30, 35 minutes game, 30 minutes game each. And then, um, you know, Jacobs is gone. I mean, there's, there's a starting role for him. So, um, you know, he's, he's not, <laughs> he's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be the situation that he had at Memphis where the, the roster was just, chock full of four and five star recruits and not enough um minutes to go around you know it's funny you mentioned jacobs because i realized how big of a mistake i made in doing my notes uh for last night's recording session and i'm glad we had to do an emergency recording session because there has been two departures one from the one on the men's side one on the women's side um we'll talk about demarius jacobs because that's really why people come and listen to us um and we'll, uh, what, what was your reaction to Demarius leaving? Um, what do you, what do you think was his motive for bail, not bailing, but, but walking away from the team and 
kind of entering the portal? I, I don't know that I can necessarily pinpoint his motive. I think of all the players on our roster um, in the past few years, he's been the hardest to read. He's a really low-key guy. He's not super active on social media. He seems like kind of a homebody. I know like whenever he does post on social media, he's just like posting his video games or whatever. So I think he's just a low-key guy and and he's kind of, it's hard to it's hard to kind of tell where he's at. Um, he it doesn't seem like there was any bad blood or or, or anything like that. You know, we, we saw that he he started this season kind of looking like the sixth man of the year. And by the end of the season, he was barely a factor. Um, so I, I don't know if COVID hit him pretty hard or if there were other things going on that, he, you know, I think he also, um, you know, he got hurt um, coming out of the COVID break. And uh, so he kind of had a, a double whammy there. Um, so I don't know if it was just him thinking like, hey, you know, um, the way that this has gone down the stretch hasn't worked out for me. I don't know if I want to come back for another year or two. Uh, maybe he wants to go back home. I don't, I, I honestly, I don't know what his motivation is. Um, but my, my reaction whenever anyone leaves, no matter who the player is, how significant they are to the roster is, I'm a little sad. I'm a little disappointed yeah. to work out. Like when they come to SLU, when they put on a SLU jersey, start taking classes at SLU, I want it to work out for everybody. You, you take it personally, like in a good yeah. way. you feel like somebody's chosen this feels like they're making the same decision you are it's kind of like how i talked with uh when we had ramsey on about how i love to meet someone who grew up a billiken fan because you you have made the same choice as i have over the last you know your whole life you know what i mean but and so i love this program i love this school and and someone has chosen the school that i love and that i care about so it is, it's kind of personal when they come in and, you know, I don't, I don't feel that when they, I don't feel, I don't take it personally when they leave, which is, which is kind of the nice part of that. You just kind of wish them the best and sucks. It didn't work out. It's kind of like the good way of breaking up that never, that never actually happens. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I never, um, no, I, I never hold it against somebody when they leave. I mean, they, these guys all have their reasons, you know, yeah. Um, whether no, no matter what, whether they were frustrated with playing time or just maybe want to go closer to home or, or they're looking for something different altogether. It, it's, I, I don't begrudge anyone. I don't question, I don't, I don't question their motives. I don't take it personally. And I, I never, I never badmouth them on the way out. That's something I kind of learned a long time ago. It's just not worth it. Um, and it, it, it's genuinely wrongheaded and, and off the base. Only one of you is going to look like the asshole and it's not going to be the player. That's right. Yeah. Every, every time, every time. So, so I don't want to be one of those kind of, you know, malignant fans or anything. I, I'm just not interested in that. So, um, so yeah, obviously I wish Jacob's the best and, and, and uh, hope it all works out for him, whatever he's doing. I mean, do you, is there any other thing that I'm not thinking of any other reason he might be on his way out? I, I mean, the only thing I can, I don't know. I guess it's kind of crazy that I've totally forgot. He came in the year ready to be the sixth man of the year. That was his goal. And yeah. he did, he fell entirely short of that goal. Um, he looked like it early though. I mean, yes. he, when we went into the break, he was, he was shooting like 700% or he, oh, sorry. He was shooting like <laughs> 700 from the field, you know, like yeah. 70%, like his, his percentages. And yeah, he wasn't shooting like 12 shots a game or anything like that, but he was, incredibly efficient he was doing exactly what he needed to be doing um it was it was the tale of two seasons for him um, i mean probably you, more than anyone else on the roster maybe maybe jimerson accepted 
I mean, you wonder if maybe he got a, a the, you know, again, you talked, we talked about how um, uh, Nesbitt maybe had this decided and he heard about Nesbitt. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, this could have all been rolling downhill a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, speaking of just not having, being completely blindsided by, by transfers, uh, the women, um, and you don't see a lot of transfers in women's basketball. Um, you know, maybe one or two, uh, maybe one person on each on a team per year, if that. Um, but uh, Rachel Kent, uh, the sharpshooting guard out of Chicago, I believe, is is moving on. Um, and I mean, she's going to have her pick of the litter for whatever school she wants to go to. Uh, that's how good of a shooter she is in my mind. She was great down the stretch when, when they were, they're playing their best basketball of the year, you know, at the end of the regular season, you know, then again, a couple good games in the NIT, she was absolutely instrumental to that. Um, so I, yeah, I was, I was shocked by that too. And, and really, um, you know, bummed out that she's leaving. I hope they're able to, to land somebody of her caliber coming the other way because, um, you know, as, as others have written, they have a chance to be the best they've ever been next season. Um, and, and, and she's a, she's a big loss. Yeah. I, I don't think they're good. They, I don't, I think I said on Twitter, I don't think it's going to be a knockout blow, but it is a tough loss. You still have shooters in Maya Clark, uh, Marissa Warren can shoot the hell out of the ball. Um, others too. Julia Martinez has shown that she can shoot the three when she gets rolling. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what stone has up her sleeve. Um, Again, peek behind the curtain. I really don't have a great, uh, I don't even remember where I'm going to drop this at or what, what came next, but I believe we're going to go into the, uh, the Olympic sport update, uh, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, that's all I think we can really say on, uh, on this, this transfer. And I, I think everyone's really excited. I mean, I don't think there was a person who was, I don't think there were any reservations on the message board or Twitter. Um, no, I mean, there, there's some, you know, there's some Memphis people trying to say like on the way out that he was kind of, um, you know, a malcontent or a, or a head case or whatever the words they're using are that, that there might've been some bad blood there and that he gave Penny no choice, but to let him go or something like that. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, look, Memphis had like what four transfers in the span of, uh, five days or something like that. So I don't necessarily look at his case as a whole lot different as the others. There's a lot of like highly touted freshmen and sophomores that all came in at the same time. Now a bunch of them are leaving at the same time. A couple others might look, you know, kind of might test their draft stock. I don't, I don't think anybody on their team's better than a second rounder at best right now um, personally, but uh, yeah, I, I just think Penny was counting on, all of this talent coming in. Yeah, I don't think he was counting on Nesbitt coming in early for one, like mid-season. <laughs> he just um, showed he, up. <laughs> yeah, because he, he did not have the minutes to give him, yeah. um, even though he called him a, a one-and-done style talent. Um, so, so I don't, you know, I don't necessarily buy into that, but, but I think some SLU fans have kind of expressed some concern. Maybe there's something off the court to, to be worried about. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've seen maybe something, but I mean, I've heard head case thrown around, but I mean, look, the kid's where he wants to be. You can, yeah. that's the, if that's the, like, if the worst you can say is that he got there um, and either Penny sold him, you know, something that he couldn't deliver on or 
Uh, he just wanted to come home and he really realized, you know, that sometimes you make, you make the wrong call and he realized it pretty quickly and, and decided to come back. So I, I think he's gonna, I think he's where he wants to be. I think he's got, uh, you know, St. Louis in his blood and he seems like he's, he's ready to put on for his city. So, you know, as yeah. young Jeezy would say. For sure. And, and now ignoring the off board stuff, because, you know, I'll, 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 buy into it if i see more I, I don't really think there's much there what what is what do you think he brings on court what do you think he, he does to our lineup oh god uh size uh at the at the wing position i think he brings uh athleticism uh polished game i think you know he's kind of uh, i think he can he can guard pretty much anybody one through four right yeah. i think you said that last night um in the a10 i mean he's i he's literally just going to be, bring flexibility up and down. I mean, he can, you know, Yuri, he can back up Yuri. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a ton of flexibility. Uh, I think we're going to, I think it's a lot of run and gun. We're going to be looking at, I, I think we're going to shoot threes and I think we're going to get rebounds. I think that's Travis Ford's play. I think he, uh, it's funny. I think he just flips the script when he sees something he doesn't like with his roster, he goes completely the other way. Yeah, he's um. So so when you look you you look at the departures, you've got Jacobs, who we talked about before, and then French and Goodwin, moving on. Um, French and Goodwin, both really unique players, obviously. And then incoming, you've got basically Okoro, you've got Williams, who's a, a high volume three point shooter, high volume shooter from anywhere, basically instant offense. Um, and at about six two, and then you've got now six six one eighty five one ninety, Nesbit coming in. Um, who, who does a little bit of everything, like you said, can guard one through four in the A-10, but um, he'll probably line up next to Collins most of the time. And then when Collins takes a breather, he can slide over and handle the point. One of the things he said about himself in high school as a recruit was, I, I'm a big guard. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a, a ball-dominant guard. I can handle the ball. He does have a complete guard skill set. Um, scores on three levels. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot to like here. You know, before he before he left for Memphis early this season, his three he hadn't really found his three point shot yet. Um, St. Louis Christian plays on the grind session is what it's called. It's like a national, um, you know, prep circuit. But um, so he hadn't really found his three point shot yet this season. But um, but he can definitely shoot it. So, yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of uh, this gives us a lot of versatility in the lineup and. You know, Ford's never really been a coach who plays fast, but um, I love what this team could be in transition, you know. Um, a lot of fun. Dunk, yeah. Yeah. Dunk City comes to mind, Florida uh, Gulf Coast. Florida, yeah, so so we're probably not quite the rebounding team we were before right. because you lose the best rebounding guard in the country with Goodwin. And French is obviously a really good rebounder, but Okoro is going to be pretty close to French in terms of rebound. He's, he's longer, he's taller, he's longer than French um Nesbitt thatch. Can, you got that you got that yeah yeah there's there's some guys who's, whose minutes will naturally increase a little bit but um you know we're still going to be a really good defensive really good rebounding team we do lose a, two really good defenders and rebounders but um the 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 scoring ability of Nesbitt is going to make some of those some of those attributes um easier to miss I think yeah I, I'm excited um and uh before this national championship game tips off, who you got? I, I got to say Gonzaga, just because I want it to happen so bad. What about you? Gonzaga. 
Yeah. All, All right, right Pelican fans. Okay. Take it easy. Um, so let's talk about some guys that, um, you know, the Billikens have contacted uh, that we're, we're, we're sure about. Uh, who have the Billikens talked to in the transfer portal that it's been at least made known? So we've definitely, I think, we've, we've definitely talked to uh, Mason Madsen out of Cincinnati. He's a, he's a, a guard out of Cincinnati, a freshman, um, combo guard. Um, we've definitely talked to um, Donovan Clay out of Valparaiso, who's a, a kid from Alton, Illinois. Um, kind of a, I guess you'd call him kind of an undersized four, but he'd probably play a three or a four. He's about six, seven. And um, we, we've definitely talked to Jordan Nesbitt, who is leaving Memphis. Um, he showed up at Memphis mid-season because he was taking a prep year at St. Louis Christian Academy. And people, sh- you know, most people listening to this probably remember him as the one player in this senior class that SLU actually did really recruit hard. And in the end, he chose Memphis over SLU in Illinois. Well, now he's back in the portal very quickly after only playing a few minutes this year at Memphis. And I don't know, um, you know, where he left it with, uh, you know, him and Penny, but um, I guess he was pretty disappointed because I think Penny long-term saw him as a factor, but when he showed up this year, didn't really have a place for him. So, um, so yeah, Nesbitt was coming out of high school, a top 60 talent, four-star recruit, just a, a big-time player, 6'6", about 190, and, and a really dynamic guard, a guy who can play the point. Um, honestly, in, in the A-10, he could play anything from a one to a four, but he really does prefer to, to be kind of a lead guard, um, you know, or, or at least a, a ball-dominant two guard. So um, much different look than we've seen in our backcourt lately. So, uh, so yeah, we've, we've, we've talked to all of those guys for sure. I think we also talked to Xavier Pinson out of Mizzou, somebody we recruited out of high school, but he actually just listed his final four a couple hours ago. And SLU's not in it. It's Nebraska, Georgia, Arkansas, and Auburn. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Wait, yeah, so, was that four SEC schools, or you, I missed one? Wasn't Nebraska, Nebraska. Is, is also in there? Um, yeah, so he's most likely staying in conference. But anyway, wow. yeah, I, th- I think we had also talked to him. And the other thing is, I'm a hundred percent sure we've talked to dozens of other guys. Yeah, um, it, it's just impossible to confirm. So. Yeah. So those are, those are the ones we know about for sure. Matt, what, a, what an opportunity there in Nesbitt. Um, you know, he literally got college, college prep work for half a season. Yeah. And now he's going to go, you know, play four years somewhere, hopefully. Uh, I mean, that's just – that's like a bonus. That's a complete bonus for whoever gets him. Yeah, he, he's an incredible talent. Now, there, there's kind of a thing happening right now, and, and I don't know how much of this is sour grapes or what, but um, if you're looking at, at, at sort of Memphis basketball Twitter or if you're looking at any of their kind of beat writers, they're kind of hinting that, you know, Nesbitt was a head case or he was a problem child or, you know, they're, they're trying to make it sound like uh, whatever whatever led to his departure was his fault. And you know, at this point, obviously something like that is just speculation and, and impossible for us to prove. Um, so I, I don't know what that's, what that's all about or if there's any truth to it or if they're just trying to sort of justify mm-hmm. the, the crazy roster churn at Memphis right now um, just because, you know, they were kind of oversubscribed and, and now a bunch of guys have transferred. So, um, and, and not just like dudes who haven't played much, but 
star players at Memphis have left. Um, so I, I don't know what's going on with that situation. And I, I know, you know, look, Nesbitt's a guy who he had transferred. He started out of his high school um, in St. Louis at Lutheran North, transferred down to St. Louis Christian Academy. And I remember like back in his sophomore, junior year, people saying, oh, you know, he's, he's a little bit of, of a head case or whatever. But I don't know. I, this, I, what, whatever that's all about, he's not the kind of talent that a, a program like SLU can just turn their nose up at. Right. He's a local kid. He's, he's an incredible player. I, I, he was a top, like I said, he was a top 60 coming out of high school. Uh, I, I really think that's maybe a little underrated based on, on what I've seen out of him. I think he's awesome. And, and he definitely has some NBA potential for sure. Um, so, I, you know, he, he, he tried Memphis out, didn't appear to be a good fit. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, clean slate. So, um, so yeah, I think you get him home and, you know, maybe he uh, plays better for people he knows or people he's had a relationship with longer than Penny, like Tate or, you know, I mean, yeah, I look, Penny, you got to remember, Penny's new at this as far yes. as college goes, dealing with college players. Uh, you, yes, yeah. I mean, AAU kids don't really talk back um, or have dissenting opinions that you're, they are as much dependent on you as you are. Like, like they are much more dependent in my mind. Right. It's a totally different dynamic. Yeah. You know, he, I, I know he's had some yeah, high school AAU coaching experience before, but you're not dealing with, um, you know, the NCAA rule book. Right. Um, you're dealing with uh, just much smaller, you're dealing with, younger guys, smaller problems, smaller, you know, fans and media attention and everything. There's, it's a whole different dynamic um, in, in high level college basketball um, for sure. So yeah, there's obviously going to be a learning curve for somebody like him who's, you know, coming from the NBA and, and having been a star like him and then, uh, you know, coaching a little bit in high school and some youth um, it's, it's gotta be frustrating to all of a sudden, go to Memphis with all of these expectations and, um, you know, then have to have to deal with the NCAA and, and, and a lot of other uh, issues that he hadn't before. There are quite a few players in this portal uh, that actually had slew offers out of high school. Uh, obviously the big name uh, is, is Cameron Fletcher out of Kentucky. He's leaving Cal's program. Uh, Xavier Pinson, who you mentioned, but uh, we're not in the final four. Uh, as well as Torrance Watson, those I mean, that's obviously going to be the 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 guys that Billiken fans are most aware of. Uh, have you seen anything regarding those uh, three or anybody else uh, kind of connected with SLU after their transfer that had already had an offer from the Billikens? Yeah, so uh, Fletcher is another one that SLU was confirmed to have reached out to, and and he's another one that you have to because I think like Nesbitt, he's that kind of four star top sixty level talent. Um, similar size, more of a wing. Um, it, it obviously did not work out for him at, at Kentucky. Um, but yeah, local kid with that, with that pedigree, with that level of talent, absolutely reach out to him. But um, I had heard for a while that, that he was kind of liking Mizzou and then he was kind of like in Florida State. Um, but I'm not sure either of those are happening at this point. I know Georgetown just reached out to him. So he'll be going most likely to a power conference school somewhere. Um, I just don't know where yet. Um, you know, yeah, we didn't make Pinson's um, top four. Torrance Watson, I don't, I don't know what the story is there. I know he's, 
he's had a really disappointing career at Mizzou. Over three seasons, he's kind of seen his minutes and his production, you know, drop each year. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really sure what, um, what's next for him. Um, but, but obviously, it's, it's been a disappointment at Mizzou. Um, there are some other guys, like you have, to, you have to look at a guy like Jamal Mashburn Jr., who we recruited out of high school. Um, obviously, his dad is somebody that Travis knows really well from his, his Kentucky days. Um, but he, he went to play for Richard Patino at Minnesota. Now he's gone. Um, so Mashburn's out and looking for a new home. So, so I got to think that's a, that's a kid that they would have reached out to. Um, another guy coming home um, to St. Louis, or I'm sorry, not necessarily coming home, but from St. Louis is Joe Reese, who played three seasons at Old Dominion and went to Vishon. Um, he's like a six, eight, um, forward who was, you know, a role player there, but, but, but an effective one and, and played big minutes. So, um, so I kind of want, you know, he might, he might have a good role coming off the bench somewhere like SLU. Um, few other names that I liked, um, DJ Horn is a guy we recruited out of North Carolina, all Valley as a freshman at Illinois state, and then third team all conference this year. Um, Illinois State's just not very good right now, kind of a mess. So he left, and uh, I think he's got he's gonna you know he's big time talent there, fifteen points a game. Um, um, two other guys I'll mention who I like: uh, Nate Reavers coming out of Wisconsin is um, I, I think he'd be a grad transfer by this point, and he had a, a slew offer and never really considered us the way back in the day, but I point him out as the kind of guy who I would like right now because he's a stretch four. He's a skinny guy, but um, blocks shots and uh, shoots threes. And I, I, I kind of like the, the, the dynamic there that that would bring. Cause we have three natural fives on our roster, you know, with, with bell, with Okoro and um, you know, and with Martin Linson. So I like the dynamic there. And then the last player I'll mention is Kiki Tandy, um, who's leaving Xavier after two years for whatever reason, kind of being stuck on the bench this year. But he's from Western Kentucky, from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Um, somebody we did recruit out of high school. And that's, um, you know, Travis Ford and, and Ford Stew, and that's their stomping ground. So um, they know the area well. They, they probably know his dad and everything. So uh, that, that's a guy I would look at who is kind of a, He's a really dynamic guard um, who can do a little bit of everything. So those are kind of the guys in the, in the portal that we've recruited before who I would kind of be looking the most, uh, the hardest at anyway. Yeah. It's really kind of hard to tell outside of who, you know, the only real thing you can do is look at who we've had offers out to before. It's the, the portal is such a different uh, animal than uh, recruiting out of high school because it you is. don't get a lot of info. You, you don't, and, and the, the recruiting cycle is so short. There are guys who hit the, the, the portal on Monday and have um, committed somewhere by Wednesday or Thursday. Um, the first thing they, you know, they, they, they put their name in the portal, and usually what happens is a player will start calling programs that he's interested in, and as soon as he hits the portal, he's also getting calls from programs. That, so it's, this, it's an immediate back and forth. From there, they kind of sift through them. And, um, and sometimes a commitment can happen pretty fast, you know, before a guy ever sees campus or anything like that. Maybe it's a school he's familiar with, maybe not. Um, so the cycle is super short. It's hard to find information unless a player is just saying, here's who I've talked to. Or if he's telling, um, you know, basketball press, here's who I'm talking to. Um, so we're just kind of throwing darts, looking at this huge list going, 
oh, I'd like him, or <laughs> I, re- I remember his name, or man, wouldn't he be great um, on our roster? So that's, a, that's all we can do. And there's literally right now 1,194 guys who, who um, well, I guess a lot of them have committed by now. So there's still hundreds who, who you just look at and go, I don't know, maybe him. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it is. I know it's it's absurd. It, the whole thing is just crazy. I mean, it's fun. It's kind of it's fun, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know where it's going. Uh, it's going to be a, a crazy uh, off season, uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully the Billikens putting uh, a team. I, I think the Billikens are going to stick obviously in the transfer portal. I don't think they're going to go high school. Uh, I think this this school, or I don't remember if it was you who said it or somebody else, but. I think the plan is to stay old until I think there's a big high school class coming up and I think the Billikens want to stay old uh, and, and be able to have scholarships available for this upcoming class in like a year or two. I think that's right. Um, There's um, we had talked about this before, but there was nobody except for Nesbitt who was in the 2021 class. Then obviously he left early for Memphis um, who we really went all in on. Um, there's some guys in the class who we had offers out to or who we kind of still looked at that I liked, um, but that, you know, they, we knew they were either going to be around this spring or, you know, maybe they're guys who do prep years, a couple of them who I like, maybe because this, unfortunately for the 2021 class, because of, um, because of COVID years, because of the transfer portal this year, that class is completely overlooked. There are players who are great college basketball players who are just kind of sitting there wondering what they're going to do right and I feel bad for those guys, but I, I, it's probably going to be a lot of kids uh, next year who, who we were looking at this year who have taken prep years, or maybe they do a year in JUCO, maybe they uh, you know do a year in a lower division. So eventually, hopefully, they kind of find their the you know the the landing spots they deserve in D one basketball. Um, so yeah, I, I I do really feel bad for that class overall, though. But yeah, it, it looks like you're right. I think. I think we are going to stay, um, stay old and value experience. Um, we got a lot to talk about uh, on the, uh, the quote-unquote Olympic sports side of Billiken Athletics. Uh, a couple of wild, wild results uh, in baseball. Because we did take a, a week off of, of following the day-to-day uh, goings-on in St. Louis, um, Men's soccer had a rough week last week, uh, dropped two straight games in double overtime. Uh, Duquesne, they lost two in double overtime. I didn't see that one. Uh, but I, the Dayton one was really a heartbreaker. They lost it in the last, like, 10 seconds on a free kick. Um, not good, but that's just the nature of, of, of uh, college soccer and that you have to have a winner unless it's a, it's a, a, a double overtime tie, which kind of stinks. Yeah, it's frustrating. You know, this is a team, they're eight and four now, and three of those losses are overtime losses. Two of those were double overtime losses. Um, and then you had that weird Columbia College loss um, that we talked about several weeks ago. So um, <laughs> soccer is a cruel game like that. You can play a good game and still lose. And that's, you know, that's what they dealt with. Well, the Billikens took out their frustration uh, today, uh, or yesterday, I'm sorry. Uh, they hung six goals on St. Bonaventure, three off the all-time record, uh, which was, again, the last time was against Vanderbilt of nine goals. Uh, John Klein scored uh, under a minute and a half into the game. Uh, John Klein again scored 
in the 13th minute. Uh, Majib Marana scored just 20 seconds later. Uh, and then Simon Batcher uh, in the 17th minute. That was assisted by Patrick Wilkinson. Uh, Bonnie's got one back on a PK. Shea Curry scored. Uh, Simon Betcher got his second goal of the game in the 49th minute. Uh, unassisted. That was off a, a, a big error from the Bonaventure keeper. And then Jack Micah uh, scores in the 73rd minute to uh, basically finish off the scoring in this one. Um, it was just a, it was just a fight. Like they were just toying with Bonaventure in this game. I don't know if you caught any of it. No, I, so I didn't watch it live, but um, fortunately the the highlight package was so big here. I guess I did basically watch twenty percent of the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what stood out to me is that every one of these goals was a highlight goal. I mean, they they were really nice setups, just well executed, well struck. Um, and and the other thing that struck me about these is like they looked really loose, like they were having a lot of fun. So for a team coming off two heartbreaking losses back to back like that. Um, to, like you said, take it out on, on this team. And, and they, they clearly exercised some demons because they were they're laughing and dancing and celebrating after all these goals. They looked really loose. And, um, and, and, and a ton of credit to them for bouncing back like that. You know, this is – when you look at kind of the shot disparity here, it reminds me of when the women played St. Bonaventure a few weeks yeah. ago and they needed overtime to beat them one to nothing, even, even though they dominated every facet of the game. So this is, the, this is how that game goes differently. Um, where you're, you're, you know, you're not just racking up shots, but really nice attempts and, and finishing. And, um, and here you go. It's a 6-1 bloodbath. Not, not only did they need overtime to beat that Bonaventure team, they needed everything but about three seconds to beat that Bonaventure team. Right. Uh, yeah. The women's soccer team continues to roll through the Atlantic 10. Uh, they are two – they are, let's see – Four wins away from going three straight years without dropping a game in conference. Uh, they pick up last week, uh, Sunday. We talked. We I think we covered that the Bonaventure four zero win Sunday. Um, they go to Duquesne. They play in an absolute blizzard. Um, um, they dominate. I thought they they dominated this game, but they're lucky to come away with a one zero win, given that uh, anything can really happen when you play in the snow. Uh, and then they played in a beautiful Pittsburgh spring day today, uh, five nothing win. They showed really that that blizzard was kind of a fluke. Yeah, I mean this was it was just a route from the start. Um, you know, not one where the stats necessarily jump out the way they did against that that Bonaventure team before. Um, but but yeah, just just great execution, and I think probably frustrating to have to play, have to play and in a blizzard like that. I mean, we, we even had that day, we had snow here in Cincinnati as well, um, which I guess was opening day for the Cardinals and Reds. Um, so that was just, it was a weird kind of fluky spring snow, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it was um, just beautiful to see them five, nothing, five different goal scorers, uh, which is always fun too. The, the Billiken women are, uh, are outscoring their opponents this season, 34 to seven. Uh, they have, Two, four, six, eight. I think eight, eight, eight or nine clean sheets in this season. I mean, it, it's just, and they're not playing, you know, dogs. I mean, Xavier was a good team. Um, you know, Arkansas is a great team. Oklahoma State's a really good team, and that was an unfortunate 
loss there. Um, I mean, obviously the conference isn't very good, but uh, you know, you finish off the season with Dayton twice here at home uh, Thursday and Sunday. And I mean, this has to go down as one of the best, uh, you know, really women's teams ever. And, and that's saying a lot because you just had a team that uh, had like five great seniors on it, I believe two years ago. Yeah. The, the crazy thing about this team is how many players they'll return. You know, this is, this is a, not a veteran team. They're just really, really good, uh, really talented. So, um, you know, I feel bad for the rest of the A-10 because this isn't, you're not done with them. They might be even better next year or the year after that. So, um, so yeah, so look out. So we just got to hang on to Coach Shields as long as possible. Um, the one thing I will say, you know, Dayton, the game at Dayton, they needed double overtime to win them, to win. So, um, so Dayton, they did, they did kind of struggle with a little bit. That was a bizarre game too, if you remember, because Dayton scored yeah. within like the first three minutes and then Slew came right back and scored in the fifth, I believe. Uh, yeah, Dayton's goal actually came in the first minute. Okay, so, that's uh, right. Yeah, so so it was within four minutes, two goals. So yeah, yeah that was a that was a crazy one. Um, so so we'll see what happens here. I mean, it's it's much better to be playing at home and you've got two chances against them. Um, but but yeah, that's that's it for the conference season. And then they've got the um, you know the A10 uh, tournament coming up on the the fifteenth. Yeah, that'll be that. I think I think it's a foregone conclusion that that one's going to be at Herman. Uh, not sure about the men yet. I believe they're second or third place right now in points. Uh, but yeah, I, I finally will be able to make one of those games. My plans were foiled uh, for the Oklahoma State game due to that player having uh, symptoms of COVID yeah. uh, and then being delayed. I think it was delayed like an hour or something. Um, volleyball ended their season. Um, yeah, not good. Uh, they failed to make the four team a 10 championship. Obviously they, they did minimum, minimal amount of teams in that tournament. Uh, not a good season. Uh, they finished eight and 10 overall six and four in conference. Um, you know, I will say that what I will say for this is that they really did have a brutal pod for the, the, the a 10 divisions that they came up with They have VCU and Dayton, uh, together, that's I mean that's the class of the league right there. Um, although I thought you know the volleyball team should have been a little more competitive, honestly. But it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, it's as hard as uh, hard a draw as possible that they could have had. But I don't know. Yeah, I think you could you could have probably shifted Mason and VCU to either you know, like, to each side. Uh, but that's about the only thing I think that would have worked uh, geogra- geographically. But when is this conference ever given a shit about geography? Yeah, no, we we rarely get favored in that sense. I, I mean, I guess the way that um, soccer is is potted right now is really the four westernmost teams playing against each other. But that's that's about it. Uh, one of the uh, crazier uh, uh, crazier score lines you'll see uh, in baseball, especially college baseball, uh, the Billikens uh, took the the third game of a series in Cincinnati. Uh, against the Bearcats, 21 to six. Uh, they failed to score in only the first and the eighth inning. Uh, this, the second inning was six runs on, I believe, two hits. Uh, I believe there was, I think, three wild pitches and two walks or something like that uh, from the Cincinnati pitcher. 
but it was it was a wild game. Uh, this seems to be kind of a, a theme with the Billikens. Take just the third game. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I'm I'm disappointed that I I missed this one because you know UC's baseball field is like uh, it's well, I can walk there from my house and I I was actually hoping to go to this Sunday game with my son but we had something else come up and I I couldn't make it um, so of course we miss a 21 run outburst uh, but uh, but yeah well done it was a crazy game 21 runs on just 17 hits yeah I, you know it's it's kind of a fun uh, a fun uh kind of a uh, you know like a uh, you get away from how bad the season is because I mean if they're eight and 18 overall they haven't reached conference play yet so we'll see how that goes but uh, you know that game and then you know you you take the third game again off Indiana State uh, but you lose the first two but it's 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 number 25 Indiana State so um I mean, there, there are these silver linings that you can kind of uh, enjoy it in, in, in such a, a poor non-conference season. Yeah, they're showing they at least have the ability to beat these, these better teams. Um, it probably comes down to pitching matchups. Um, yeah. You know, it's probably no coincidence when you look back through the schedule. We're kind of like, game. yeah, yeah, you're picking off every third or fourth game from better teams. Um, it was a tough non-conference schedule. You yeah. know, I'll give them that. They've got one – non-conference game left against SIUE and then they get into it, um, you know, George Mason, Richmond and start going through the conference. But, you know, I, I, I don't know how good the A-10 is this year, but I, I got to think, you know, they're certainly at least battle tested. I just don't know if the pitching is deep enough to, uh, to make any noise this year. No, I think that's what you're seeing in some of these, in, in so many one run games. Uh, it's the potential you're having bullpen issues because I mean, you look back at the the schedule and, Kennesaw State, you lose two by one run. Uh, North Dakota State, you lose two by one run. Uh, you know, Kansas, you lose in 12 innings by two. Uh, Western Illinois, you win by one. Um, the, all these one or two run games. SEMO, you lost uh, by two. Mizzou, you lost by one. Uh, it could have gone either way, I feel like, in some of these games. So... I, you know, I think it's, it's just, it's either, it's, it's just a bit of bad, a tough season. So we'll see how they do in the A-10. I think, I think they have a chance to do okay, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Um, softball, uh, history was made this weekend uh, for the second time in the program's history. Uh, a Billiken pitcher throws a perfect game. Uh, the first uh, perfect game was Nicole Bonensteel. Uh, I knew that off the top of my head. I think I texted you in shame that I knew that off the top of my head. Uh, no shame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was back, I want to say, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but I, I, wanna, I know I watched her pitch uh, on multiple occasions. But this was, uh, this was Chloe Wendell. It was a five-inning uh, mercy rule game. Uh, the Billikens exploded for 15 runs. It was a 15-0 beatdown. Uh, this was just awesome to watch. I, 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 I couldn't believe how often the, the commentator kept saying perfect game because I'm, I'm of the mindset, you don't say a damn thing. Yeah, didn't jinx it somehow. I mean, I, I guess you did have the mercy rule, so it was shorter. It was a, you know, a five-inning five game, but still, I mean, a perfect game is a perfect game. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so all credit to her for that. She did. She got a. She had a one, two, three first, and then um, uh, in the bottom of the first, Slew hung ten on Dayton. So, 
Um, so then, you know, she comes out with a very comfortable uh, lead to, 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 to kick off the second. And I guess, you know, from there, you can just kind of take a deep breath and settle in, um, pitch with that lead and, uh, and all credit to her. I mean, five perfect innings is not easy to do. No, I think there was only one real uh, scare, and it was uh, the player was called out the ball, hit her as she left, after she left the box in, like, the fourth inning. Uh, so they, they ruled uh, the Dayton player out at first. Uh, so that kept the perfect game intact. Otherwise, I think it would have been a hit. So uh, good for her, man. Good for Billiken softball. That's uh, – that's good. It's good to have these things. And, and, you know, they've struggled so far in the A-10. They're one and four. Uh, I think they're two and six now, I want to say. I think that's what it was. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, seven and 20 overall, two and six. It'll be interesting to see um, what happens with, with softball and volleyball uh, going into the offseason. Uh, Kenoyer's been here for 11 years. Kent Miller's been here for 10 Um you know, I, I softball. I can't say the way I talk about volleyball because softball really doesn't. I mean, they don't have locker rooms by the field. They don't have a, a you know a proper stadium. Uh, they don't have a press box. Baseball doesn't have a press box. Uh, volleyball really has all the facilities. So I mean, you can really look at at, at what's going on there and say why aren't we doing better? Uh, softball is much like is very much like field hockey in that way. You know. Yeah, and and. In addition to just not having the facilities, um, you know, it's when you're a, when you're a private school, high tuition, yeah. um, you know, non-revenue sport like this, there are only so many scholarships to go along, around. And, you know, one of the hardest factors of being a coach in one of those sports is how do I make it work uh, financially to, to fill out a roster? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then the fact that, um, you know, St. Louis is, is not a Southern a sunbelt city or, or, or out West where they can play, um, you know, outdoors year round. So you've got some indoor training in the, in the off season. So a few, uh, yeah, a lot of disadvantages, but, you know, I will say for most of the non-conference schedule, this, this team was losing by one or two, maybe right. three runs. Um, they were losing more than they were winning, but every game was so close that kind of went out against, you know, these recent series against Iowa state and George Washington, they did get blown out a decent amount and they've, they've, you know, they've only won, I think three of their last 10 or so. Um, but they did, you know, they split two double headers with Dayton um, at home here. So, um, you know, the perfect game's a lot of fun. It's been a tough season, but I, I think they are a little bit better than their record shows. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, but it'll, and it'll be interesting to see. I think I, I could see Ken Miller getting one more year. It all depends on his, his contract situation, they're not going to buy him out. It's not that right. – it, it's not even – I don't even know if it's worth it unless a booster wants to step up and pay it uh, because, I, obviously, me personally, I, I have a soft spot for volleyball at SLU. Everyone knows that. Sure. Uh, so it bothers me more than it, it really it really actually impacts the, the athletic department. Right. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think I I think he probably should maybe move on, but uh, I I'm not sure. I think he'll get at least another year, especially with the COVID year. Um, yeah. But I think that's about it. Uh, field hockey is going to finish their season uh, this sun next Sunday, I think, uh, against Davidson or Richmond. Uh, I didn't really look. Uh, they're obviously they've they've slowed down since they've gotten into the uh, the East Coast 
part of their their schedule uh, and haven't yeah, really scored. They finish on the on the tenth against Richmond. Yeah, I'm gonna try to make that game just to show some love for the for the new coach and. Uh, yeah, it's been a rough couple of weeks after a promising start. Yeah, well, you get the East Coast private schools, and sure. I mean they're in such a tough like. I think they probably have it the worst. Of, yeah. of all the programs, um, you know, it'd be like putting, uh, it'd be like uh, Billiken Tennis being in the West Coast Conference, sure, or the WAC. You know, it just they just they're they're out of their league. Um, but I think that's all for us uh, on this episode. Uh, it's going to be a, a fairly normal sized episode. Uh, again, thanks everyone for listening. Um, Pete, any anything more before we get out of here? No, just keep watching the transfer po- transfer portal, and you know, hit us up on Twitter if you see anything. If there's any players that interest you, if uh, if there's anything that we're missing, you know, I've tried to keep an ongoing thread of of players that pop up that might be of interest to SLU fans. And then, um, you know, in terms of recruiting, we'll get into twenty twenty two and the later classes coming up. But um, right now, it's all the the transfer portal craziness. So. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. The off season is going to be uh, a lot of recruiting stuff to talk about and, uh, and hopefully more. Yeah. We're hoping to get players. Uh, if you have any contact with a, with a former player, I don't really, no, I don't want to say I don't really care who it is, but really like, yeah, I, I don't like, I want to talk to them. I want to hear their story. That's, that's how, that's what I love to do. Um, if you have, please feel free to message them on our behalf and, and make the connection. Um, you can always DM us, um, you know, and, and link us that way. Uh, we, we, I know we're working on some stuff. I know Peter's got some agents out there somewhere working hard behind the scenes and I'm trying with a couple, but it's, it, you know, we had, you know, I had the momentum with uh, the interviews on the other one and, and now I'm trying to get that momentum going again. So, uh, again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Midtown Mad Pod, and, and definitely interact with our Twitter. Um, I'm at Zach Miller MMP. Peter is at Peter is a tweeter. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. It means the world to both of us. So, uh, Pete, go Bills. Go Bills. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks. Nice.